0: With the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade and a couple victories in religious freedom cases, some people fear the reversal of the legalization of same-sex marriage could be next. And according to some, on another note, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, death, famine, war, and conquest are aiding in the formation of a new world order. Is this true? We will discuss these events and more from a prophetic perspective on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. You know, we've said it many times things never stay the same. Just when you think there's no hope at all, something happens to let you know that prayers are being answered, God is in control, and things are moving forward. LifeSite News reports, and I only got a skim over this on Friday, so I had to mention this and a few other things today. Of course, LifeSite News, many many places are reporting the, the U.S. Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade in their historical ruling. Now, This long-awaited victory that many of us have prayed for for years. It's a victory for the pro-life movement, and it means that abortion is going to be effectively banned right now in more than 20 states. And in the immediate future, it could be more. A lot of people are going to be fighting that. But the United States Supreme Court finally issued its ruling overturning Roe v. Wade and delivering the pro-life cause, it's, its most transformative victory since Roe unleashed nationwide abortion on demand in, what was that, 1973. The ruling really holds massive ramifications, both immediate and long-term. More than 20 states, I said, currently have laws on the books that would effectively ban abortion within their borders upon Roe's fall from pre-Roe abortion bans that went unenforced to trigger laws designed not to take effect until um, a ruling like today's. And in those states, abortion will now be illegal. Now, you say, well, hey, this is an end all and everything's great now. Well, there's still going to be a fight. And there are woke corporations I saw um, that are going to help people even travel, paying their travel expenses for a young girl, lady, female, woman, to travel to another state where it's legal to get an abortion. I know that um, I saw somebody sent me a tweet from Dick's Sporting Goods that said that I think they would pay up to $4,000 in travel expenses and different things for an employee to get an abortion. And so there are many corporations that are doing that. And think about that, though. My mindset is always, what does God think about this? I'm sure God is smiling down today and over the weekend in the decision that the Supreme Court made on Friday. Why? Because you've got to look to the Bible. In Proverbs 6, 16-19, a lot of what Roe v. Wade was um, about was that a, a um, fetus in the mother was not considered a person after a certain time. And so they said, well, hey, basically has no rights. Well, that's absolutely not true, and, and, and we know that. I think they even know it, honestly. The people, the liberals, saying that a, a baby at, you know, a, beyond a certain age is not a human, is not a person. Proverbs six sixteen through 19 says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Would you consider aborting a baby that can feel pain, that has a heartbeat, that has brain activity, that has facial features, hands, feet, a little body, a living, breathing, well, I should say a living being, I guess it's breathing off its mom somehow but from the umbilical cord, but at any rate, a a little human being like that, a person in God's eyes, and then somebody taking that baby's life. God's not happy with that. It's the shedding of innocent blood, folks. And then, But you say, but Dave, it's not a person, it's not a person. Well, hold on just a second. Psalms 139, 13 through 14, the Bible says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. In my mother's womb Jeremiah one four through five then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I Jeremiah before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I, I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God was talking to Jeremiah here he said. I, I ordained you to be a prophet when you were in your mother's womb, Jeremiah. But what, yet we have people today that say, but that's not a person. That, that um, lump, of cell, lump of tissue doesn't have rights, right? That's what they're saying. Job chapter 31, verse 15. Did not he that made me in the womb make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? Every baby is a miracle, and it comes from God Almighty. Who knows what that baby is ordained by God to be in this life? Think about it. These are the decisions that are being made by people today. But God is happy, I promise you, because the Supreme Court said, hey, I'm going to push it back down to the states, and many states are making it illegal. Roe v. Wade was overturned. And we'll talk about more Supreme Court decisions in favor of Christianity when we get back from the break. Satan
1: and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463.
2: Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
0: Well, welcome back, everybody. I, I have an, a, a, um, really an important announcement to make to everyone. Last month, a very generous partner of ours said that he would be willing to match your donation up to $50,000. And so if you were to donate, for for this month, the month of June. So throughout this month of June, we've been talking about it, that if you were to donate $50 to the ministry, it would turn into a $100 donation. If you were to donate $100, it would turn into $200, and so on, up to $50,000. And so we throughout the month of June we've been announcing it. Well, there's 3 days left. It goes till Thursday, June 30, and many of you have responded so well and we're so thankful for that. Thank you so much, but there's 3 days left to do that. And what a blessing it would be to the ministry if you could help us out. And so to do that, just go to endtime.com/2x or call 1-800-endtime and Again, it ends June 30th to double your donation. $50 turns into 100 a 100 turns into 200 and so on. So certainly would appreciate you helping us out. And, uh, wow, thank you to this generous partner who uh, helped us out with that and was to donate that. It was awesome. So uh, if you can help, call 1-800-END-TIME or go to ntimecom slash 2X. Now, beyond the decision Friday by the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade, Business Business Insider reported that Justice Thomas, Supreme Court Justice Thomas, says that the Supreme Court should reconsider rulings that protect access to contraception and same-sex marriage as the court overturns Roe v. Wade. Now, there are some people that are afraid of this. They talked about it for a long time, I wanted to see what the Supreme Court's decision would be before I really brought it up. But this would be awesome. From a Christian, from a biblical perspective, because you understand under the Obama administration that same-sex marriage was legalized in the United States in all 50 states. However, according to the Business Insider, along with the Supreme Court's Friday ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade, Justice Clarence Thomas said that the court should also reconsider rulings that protect contraception access, same-sex relationships, and same-sex marriage. Thomas separated himself from the court's conservative majority and called for the court to examine all rulings that concern the the 14th Amendment's Due Process Clause, specifically pointing out decisions that protected, again, contraception access, same-sex marriage, and uh, same-sex relationships. The Due Process Clause, it ensures that any American has the right to due process before someone can take away their inalienable rights. So for that reason, in future cases, Thomas said that we should consider, or I should say reconsider, all of the court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Obergefell, the, the same-sex marriage case. And Thomas, widely considered to be the court's most conservative judge, he wrote this in his concurring opinion. So, again, the Supreme Court decided in 2015, in, uh, in the, uh, during the Obama administration, in the Obergefell Hodges case, that the due process clause of the 14th Amendment protects the rights of same-sex couples to get married in the same ways that um, a heterosexual couple would get married. And legal experts have long warned that overruling Roe v. Wade may put other rights on the chopping block. Well, so again... We need to look at this from a biblical perspective, a prophetic perspective. Jesus said that just as it was in the days when Lot come up out of Sodom, it would be just like that in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, here we are. Legalized same-sex marriage in America in 2015 under the Obama administration. When President Obama came into office, he said, we are just a, or just prior to it he said we're just a few days away from fundamentally transitioning America transforming America well he absolutely did that and i think this i think in my opinion all along it was his goal to get same-sex marriage legalized and it is it's something that we need to reverse Scripturally. You say, well, because I always look, what does God think? What's God's opinion of this? And the Bible talks about many places, Old and New Testament, that these types of relationships are wrong. Male with male, female with female. And so uh, it's something that when when I when I've I've seen this. Prior to the decision Friday, that people were saying, "Oh no, if they go down this route, then they'll just start overturning everything." Well, Justice Clarence Thomas um, said, "Hey, we need if we if we're going to do this, then we need future. We need to look at some of these other cases that were decided because of this um, decision as well, and and the precedence that this kind of sets." Well, to a Christian, I'm happy about that. I, I don't want same-sex marriage legalized in America uh, because it's, a, it, it, it's, it's against the Bible. It's, a, it's anti-God. It's, it's saying to God, we don't want you here in our country. We don't want you amongst us, God. And I want God to bless our nation. And so I don't want to push God out. I want more God. I want a spiritual revival, and uh, plus, it, those, that relationship doesn't lead to a very good end, if you understand uh, what I'm saying. So this is—I I saw this, and once once I, I, I saw this article immediately after the decision was made uh, on Friday. Many people are reporting on this that he said that, and so in my opinion, if we could get that overturned, it would be a huge victory. Really, the 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 Roe v. Wade being overturned, wow, we've talked about that for years. How many prayers do you think went up for that? Because of all the babies, not the masses of tissue, but all the babies that have been killed. And so... Oh, since nineteen seventy three i think it's uh it's sixty sixty three million plus not in, and that's just the ones that have been reported not the ones that haven't been reported and so what a what a uh a great time we're in and this lets us know it lets me know and it should let us all know that even in the times of chaos turmoil during an administration that is in just about every way, anti-God, that God can still move, things can still happen that are beneficial to the church, that are beneficial to the Christian community, that point us back towards God. This overturning of Roe v. Wade is humongous. And I am so thankful that six of these Supreme Court justices had the courage enough, in the face of death threats and and people marching in front of their homes and all this, they still had the courage to say, no, we're going to make the right decision here. And they've made several of them. And, you know, uh, you say, well, here we go, the big plea for Trump. I'm just saying I'm thankful that President Trump made the decision to put these, um, the to supply the Supreme Court justice with these conservative judges that made this decision. Without that, never would have happened. And so, yeah, I am thankful to to President Trump for doing that. And I would say the same thing about President Biden if he did it. It's irrelevant to me who did it. The fact of the matter was, it was done and it overturned a horrible scar, a horrible um, (coughs) ruling, a horrible dark place on our nation's history and it righted a horrible wrong. I only wish they could force it on all 50 states to be honest with you because it's a it's a horrible thing and there are people that are, you know, petitioning and, and there, there are and, you know, they have the right to do that uh, to protest this but wow, if you've seen some of the protest and the things they're saying and the just the violence and everything else that's going on. If we could all just get back to God, folks, and point this and just have a spiritual revival. Go by the Bible. If we could just do that, look at how it would turn this nation around. But when you get off of the Bible and you get out from under God's protection and His word, look what happens. It's whatever you want. There's no moral compass. It just It's whatever you feel good. Let's do that, right? So when the mob goes a certain direction, most people, because of fear or peer pressure, things like that, their education, things they've been taught, they'll just go right with the mob. But thank the Lord that these Supreme Court justices had the courage to make the right decision and to overturn Roe v. Wade. And hopefully in the future, they'll make the right decision and overturn the legalization of same-sex marriage in all 50 states, uh, that would be awesome. Point us back in the right direction, right? But regardless, whether they do or not, we're still going to serve God. We're going to do His will. We're going to have revival and uh, prepare for the second coming that is just in not the very near future. Now, beyond the overturning of Roe v. Wade, we also had uh, CNS reported, Many everybody's reporting on the Supreme Court of the United States that they ruled six to three that this that um, high school football coach that he could pray his midfield prayer that it's constitutional six to three opinion written by Justice Neil Gorsuch and the Supreme Court ruled this morning that the free speech exercise and the free speech clauses of the First Amendment protect an individual. Engaging in a personal religious observance from government reprisal, the Constitution neither mandates nor permits the government to suppress such religious expression. So, what's it all about? Well, the ruling—it's a victory for a coach named Joseph Kennedy, who, as the opinion noted, it, he lost his job as a high school football coach in uh, Bremerton, Washington because he knelt at the midfield after a game, to or after games, I should say, to offer a quiet prayer of thanks. And so the ruling said that Mr. Kennedy prayed during a period when school employees were free to speak with a friend, call a reservation at a restaurant, check their email, or attend to other personal matters. What he chose to do, the coach, he offered his prayers quietly while his students were otherwise occupied. And so, still, the Bremerton School District disciplined him for doing that. And it did so because it thought anything less could lead to a reasonable observer to conclude, mistakenly, that it endorsed Mr. Kennedy's religious beliefs that reasoning was misguided, certainly. So, both the free exercise and free speech clauses of the First Amendment protect expressions like the coach's, Mr. Kennedy's, nor does a proper understanding of the Amendment's Establishment Clause require the government to single out private religious speech for special disfavor. The Constitution and the best of our traditions counsel mutual respect and tolerance, not censorship and suppression for religious and non-religious views alike. Now everybody, imagine coaches and teachers and different people, and and th- th- what a victory it is for them, but not only them, but for religious freedom. Because these are when these court cases are decided, they set a precedence that people in other um, spheres of influence and different things can say, well, hey, you ruled this way in this case. This applies to me as well. You see? So it's not just this case, but it's all the other cases that would point back to this in the future. The precedence that's being set. So these are huge moves by the Supreme Court for religious freedoms and and victories for Christians. And what a great thing it is for us today. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited, and I know that a lot of you are as well. There's also from the Christian Post and many others the, the victory for religious freedom, these different reactions to the Supreme Court ruling on the Maine's tuition program. I mean, it's just one thing right after another, right? The, um, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled last Tuesday that Maine could not prohibit parents from using a government tuition aid program to send their children to religious private schools. That was a six to three ruling as well. So do you think the Supreme Court judges that President Trump um, put on the Supreme Court that they're not having a huge effect? Of course they are. And a lot of people there a lot of people in here are saying, oh it wasn't President Trump. it absolutely was President Trump. And so what a great victory these things are for religious freedom, for Christians, just for the mindset uh, of a Christian that even during the time of an anti-God administration, great things can happen. Whether
1: it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty?
0: As you can tell, we're a little excited around here of the uh, because of the decision on Friday and some of the other decisions that have been handed down. However, let me shift gears here on you and go to another topic. I saw an article, I think it was either yesterday when I was reading through there or today about the Jerusalem Post published an article, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And, of course... We know something a little bit about the four horsemen (laughs) of the uh, the apocalypse around here. And I wanted to make some comments because a lot of what the article was a little off. But I wanted to make some comments on what the article was talking about. Give you a biblical perspective on that and walk you down through here. I took some excerpts and then uh, we'll wrap it up with some of what the Bible says about this. But the article states out starts out that we are nearing the death of the old geopolitical system of the world order that has kept repeating itself from the middle from the medieval ages the powerful old testament image of the four horsemen of the apocalypse now again i want you to understand this is the jerusalem post so they're going to go to the old testament okay and so you just got to uh, kind of understand where we're, where we're coming from here. Um, but the Old Testament image of the four horsemen of the apocalypse has been repeatedly brought back into discussion when humanity has faced peril and war. The writer of the article says Ezekiel and Zechariah have often been interpreted as describing the four horsemen as plague, war, famine, and finally death. Now, right here, let me jump in and interject something. For those of you that understand what we teach here at End Time Ministries, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are not uh, plague, war, famine, and finally death. Revelation. Well, and so what I'm, one of the things that we need to talk about is that Ezekiel and Zechariah do not say that that's the case. That comes from Revelation 6, 1 through 8. The writer of the article says, well, that's just Ezekiel and Zechariah. So somebody has been reading Revelation 6, 1 through 8, right? But let me interject. So in Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 through 8, it reveals four horses: white horse, red horse, black horse, and a pale horse. Should have been translated green, uh, and you know, the, the original. Greek word there was chloro, so it should have been a green horse. So, white, red, black, and green horse. So, the question is, what are these colored horses referring to? Well, many of the major prophecies of the Bible really are given two, three, even four times, sometimes five times. When you read other accounts of the same prophecy, it gives you more clarity, right? I mean, it's like putting a puzzle together, then seeing the big picture once the puzzle's completed. But you can think you got it all figured out until you look at this one scripture way over there in Revelation, you go, Oh man, I, I thought I had this figured out, but wow, that adds a whole nother spin to it. Okay? <laughs> That's why when you're trying to do any topic in the Bible, make sure you get every single verse, everyone, that pertains to that topic. Well, Another account of this prophecy is um, the four horsemen referred to in Revelation six one through eight is found in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter six verse one through eight. Zechariah saw the same colored horses—white, red, black, and green—but he saw them pulling chariots. Now, he didn't see green; he saw a grizzled and bay. But um, so instead of the pale horse, Zechariah saw a grizzled and bay horse. But that's why you got to look at the clue in Revelation to make sure you get the true interpretation. Zechariah saw grizzled and bay horses in Zechariah 6 4 through 5. It tells us that what these horses symbolize. And the Bible says, And I answered and said unto the angel that talked with me, What are these, my Lord? And the angel said unto me, These are the four spirits of the heavens which go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth. So, what do these horses symbolize? The four colored horsemen, they symbolize four spirits, which, as you can, if, if I was to teach through the whole prophecy, which I'm not going to take time to do, but these are the four main political and religious ideologies of, ideologies of mankind today. They control the thought processes. they are spirits in the world today. The white spirit called Catholicism, The red spirit, communism. The black spirit, capitalism. And the pale or the pale green spirit, the green spirit, Islamism. Think about that today around the world. The four main ideologies on the planet today. Those are the four main ones. Islam, Catholicism, communism, and capitalism. And so when I was going through this article, I thought, I'm going to go through this. Clear some of this up for some people because I want them to really understand what's going on. Because if the writer of this four horsemen would have this from the Jerusalem Post, if he would have understood the four spirits, it would have tied into his article better than his interpretation. I wish we could have had a conversation because what he was saying was proving what the Bible was saying in many ways. So, with that said, and now that you know what the spirits represent, and that they are spirits, I mean, there have been so many books and movies and different things about four physical horsemen that are going to ride across the earth and kill people and this, that. No, no, that's not what the that's not what the four horsemen prophecy is. Um, so now that we've got that cleared up, the article continues and says, the guy says, well, when I woke up this past week on the morning of 120 days of the Russian uh, President Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine, it struck me that we were nearing death. Death of the old geopolitical system of the uh, world order that has kept repeating itself from the medieval ages. Despite much that has happened, Europe and Russia have risen as powers and then crumbled repeatedly. It seems finally that this cycle of plague, war, famine will be the last of Western hegemony and the birth of a new world order. Again, I wish we could have a conversation and I could explain to him the new world order has already been established and it's rolling like a steamroller. He goes on to say, a new world order which will probably bring back He says the balance of power to Asia and Africa, which were the centers of global wealth and power long before the Industrial Revolution. Okay. So let me jump back in with prophecy. We need to discuss a major prophesied transition that will occur in the end time. The reborn Holy Roman Empire. This guy mentions Europe. But he says that's pretty much going to go away. Okay, that's not going to happen. What's going on right now between the 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 headbutting of Russia and Europe and China and all that, that's going to go away. Russia and Europe will be in lockstep with each other. They're going to be unified with each other in this end-time world-governing body. Revelation 13, 1-2 tells it, and I'm going to get through that here in just a second. But the reborn Holy Roman Empire, or the European Union will rule the end-time world government at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, not, not uh, somewhere in Africa. Okay? Currently, the European Union, the reborn Holy Roman Empire, reborn in November 2009, currently they do not hold the position of the center of world power. But there's a huge shift taking place in the world today. Now, you have to consider that after the major anti liberal international order that shifted under President Trump, okay, because like I said, there's a huge shift taking place. The, the New World Order from the time of, the, well, let's say, let's go back to World War II up until President Trump. Everybody was on board with the United Nations and they were working in lockstep, getting permission from the United, working with the United Nations. We were moving right into, slowly but surely, yielding up sovereignties. Now, the United States, very slowly, I understand, some of them more than others, i.e., the difference between a President Obama and a President Reagan, okay? But all of them, By the end of their tenure, we were still fully engaged in the world governing body, and they knew that the United States was the principal driver behind that. We were the principal creator of that. Remember, um, FDR gave Alger Hiss the commission to be the architect over the United Nations Charter. So we were the principal driver all the way to President Trump. But under President Trump, this is why they had to get rid of him at all costs. Because the United States, under President Trump, he, they knew he, he was not going to play ball. He was not going to play ball with this new world order, the world government they're trying to create. And so they started to demonize him. They tried to impeach him. They the, the Russian collusion, all this other stuff. They had to get rid of him at all costs. Demonize his family. Demonize him. Was he perfect? No. But he started to remove us from the world governing body, the United States. Under President Trump, it, it saw the United States withdraw from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the Paris Climate Agreement, the um, UNESCO, the, the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, the Iran nuclear deal, uh, or the um, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, JCPOA, and moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. The international community did not want that to happen. The, uh, and, and to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. The international community did not want that to happen. So Donald Trump in many ways said, hey, we're America first. We're not going to play ball with your world governing body. You're trying to create, create and started pulling us out of that. We're not going to allow the United Nations under their um, global compact on migration to allow, to, to manage people and to say who would be allowed to come into our country. Uh, what was her name? Man, the, the, uh, our U.S. ambassador. Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley said, no, we're going to pull out of the global compact on migration because we are going to determine who comes into our country and we're going to protect our borders. President Trump started protecting our borders. When he started saying, hey, we're going to build a wall and we're going to protect our borders, all oh, the globalists howled and complained and just cried at that because they were all trying to create a world-governing body and they did not want the United States to protect our borders. So Donald Trump said, hey, we're not going to abide by the global compact on migration we're pulling out of that, and we're going to protect our borders. Well, he wouldn't play ball. So the United States was the principal driver behind the world government up to that point. Now we've got a president of the United States that doesn't want to play ball. And so it everything just flipped upside down. They thought, what are we going to do? We're looking to the United States, all of our allies and our, uh, our enemies were, they just were like in shell shock. Because we, the principal driver, were not going to be the principal driver under a President Trump. The problem is, is that they got him out of office and now we've got a globalist in there who's willing to go along completely with the world governing body. Well, Europe is sitting over there watching this. And the Bible prophesies a transition from the center of power, from the current power, to a European power. We'll talk about it more when we get back. I've been
3: part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room.
0: Okay, so there's a huge dilemma. Our allies are saying, hold on a minute. We've relied on the United States as the leader of this thing for decades and decades, but now President Trump doesn't want to play ball. Well, now we've got to get rid of him and we've got to get somebody in there so we continue continue on building this world government, this new world order. Well, now they see the weakness shown by a President Biden's administration. So imagine being our ally and relying on the strength and the power of the United States. You get a guy in there that doesn't want to cooperate. He's very strong, but he's only for his own nation. He wants us to start paying our, the Europe. He wants to, he got onto Europe and he said, I want, you're going to start paying your fair share of NATO and all these other things for your security. And they sat over there and sucked their thumb and said, well, Hey, uh, wh- you know, we're, you're, you're supposed to be paying for that. And he said, no, we're not going to do that. And so he got on to him. Well, then Joe Biden comes in, and they see from a position of weakness that if you look at it from the um, the first embarrassing initial summit in China where China rebuked Blinken, and Blinken just he w- didn't know what to say, the surrender of our energy independence. Imagine being our allies and our enemies. And see us, we we were an energy exporter, and now that has completely went away. Just in what a year, year and a half, and now we're going in and trying to buy oil off of the, the uh, Saudi Arabia and different places. And when we've got all the resources here, plenty of it, more than enough to pull us out of this hole. But because of the weakness of the current administration, we can't do that. Well, our allies and our enemies are watching us. And, and then, of course, the debacle that happened in Afghanistan. We go in and we pull our military out before we pull the citizens out. And then we sit back and wonder, what what, what happened? And the inability to secure the southern border, well, it's not the inability to secure the southern border as much as it is somebody in the White House simply doesn't want to because they're being told not to. Folks, we could have our military secure our border tomorrow morning and the immigration problem would be over. We've got the most mighty military on the planet. You think we couldn't control our border down here? I promise you we could but yet it's because our administration doesn't want to. And then, of course, the destruction of our um, the economic security. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So, the United States appears to almost have removed itself from the leadership of the New World Order, leaving our allies questioning and our partnerships. Uh, they're questioning our partnerships and emboldening, emboldening our enemies. So many sources have shown, I've got articles that are telling about all this, that Europe has found itself looking to fill the void left by the United States on the global stage. And one way we can prove that Europe will be the center of world power in the end-time world government is to look at the, the the beast, which symbolized nations, Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. You understand that Hundreds of years before John wrote the book of Revelation, Daniel was given a vision of four beasts that represented kingdoms or nations that would exist at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Those four beasts described in Daniel 7 are the modern nations um, of a a lion with eagle's wings, Great Britain and the United States, the bear, Russia, the four-headed leopard, Germany, the ten-horned beast, which is the reborn Holy Roman Empire or the current European Union. So in Revelation, John uses these same symbols as nations to describe the end-time world government. the, uh, The four separate nations of Daniel 7 federalize into one large global governing body. John said, I stood upon the sand of the sea and I saw this giant beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns upon his horns Symbolizing the European Union were ten crowns. Upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And the, this giant beast that I saw was like unto, it had the body of the leopard, Germany. The feet as the feet of the bear, Russia. His mouth as the mouth of the lion, Great Britain. And the dragon, this is very important because I'm going to go through something here in a moment where you're going to think the dragon's China, but it's not. The dragon is Satan. The Bible says, and the dragon gave this entity, this world governing body, its seat, power, and great authority. That's Revelation 13, 1 through 2. So it's a 2,000 year old prophecy of a world government that would be in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, and it's being established as we speak. This is the New World Order that the Jerusalem Post article is talking about, that the Europe and the United States and everybody else that's been involved in this new world order that the United Nations and all these different entities that they've been, in, uh, been trying to create for decades now. But think about it. Every single nation, the European Union, Russia, Germany, Great Britain, uh, every one of them is a European nation. Russia, uh, west of the Ural Mountains, is considered Europe. So the question is, this transition that's supposed to take to finally make the transition happen where it would go from the United States to Europe, what, what event could be so devastating that the current range of global governing power would shift over to Europe? Well, I, I can't give you this specific event. I can tell you what the Bible says. But we'll have to see how it all plays out. But I can't give you the the specific event that finally triggers this transition of global power. However, there is one thing that we have to keep in mind. There's another prophecy that foretells a war is coming that will kill one-third of the world's population. Now, I'm not sure the role that Europe will play in that war. However, according to the prophecies of the reborn Holy Roman Empire, we do know that after the Sixth Trumpet War, the center of world power will shift, if it hasn't already shifted, will shift to Europe because prophecy tells us the Antichrist and the false prophet will rule the world for three and a half years and then Jesus Christ is going to come back to the earth and the Antichrist and the false prophet come from the Holy Roman Empire, or the European Union. That will be the power base of the Antichrist and the false prophet in the end time. So, this transition from uh, the global governing power of the United States over to Europe, it's prophesied in Scripture, and the prophecies always come to pass. Now, let me continue on a little bit with some excerpts from the article. They say that, okay, now, what's Putin's puzzle? Think about Russia, Ukraine, and everything. Before Russia's Ukraine invasion, Vladimir Putin's Russia had filled the gaps in conflicts worldwide and almost become a, a global arbiter in, in many ways in key geopolitical theaters where the U.S. had lost control. Now, think about an, um, Afghanistan, a Syria. Iran, Mali, Chad, Libya, different places. Putin's Russia was counted as a voice heard on every major decision. Russia had also become the big brother and tried to play peacemaker in South Asia between uh, India and Pakistan and China. Weeks before the Ukraine invasion, Russia had intervened in a bizarre coup attempt in Kazakhstan and assisted the Uh, Kazakh government in pacifying a revolt. So, what has happened in the past weeks and months that suddenly made Vladimir Putin risk all that capital built up over the past couple decades or so to take on Ukraine? Is it national pride or is it a, a, a longer term strategy against the West? Well, get this. The Jerusalem Post article actually states, and I'm quoting, that it's the dragon bear, China, the China and Russia alliance. Now, again, if you go back to the Revelation 13, 1 through 2, the bear is Russia, but the dragon is Satan. So, the, there's not going to be a, a China-Russia alliance in the end. Things don't always go on like they are right now. The article says the dragon bear alliance of the Chinese dragon and the Russian bear has not always been a love affair. Historically, Russia has always supported India over China and there has been strong animosity between these neighbors who share a, what, a 4,250 kilometer land border. Henry Kissinger's strategy of empowering China was in fact to weaken Russia. And now it seems, after 50 years, this may have created a beast, a dragon bear, what they call, what the Jerusalem Post is calling this, that the U.S. may not be strong enough to control. China, I will tell you, everybody, is not the scriptural dragon that is Satan. Now, there could be a dragon bear situation <laughs> that's occurring. This union, then China and Russia working together. But it appears from all we can tell that China will be involved in World War III, the 200 million man army, and that China could mostly be wiped out before it's all over with because you really don't see China mentioned in the prophecies of the Bible unless China is that 200 million man army. But Revelation 9, Revelation 12:9, it's proof. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceive the whole world. The dragon in Bible prophecy is Satan. It's not China. The article goes on to say, Since Chinese President Xi Jinping's rule, the Chinese strongman and the Russian autocrat have developed a strong bond. Both China and Russia have resented the U.S. dominance in global affairs, which is getting ready to change. Um, And that during uh, President Trump's rule, Russia celebrated the fact that China bore the brunt of the erratic president's ire, talking about Trump. Trump's withdrawal from the international arena, remember I talked about that earlier, allowed Russia and China's global power to grow unchecked. And then the article says famine and death. Remember, they're trying to prove that these are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which we've already proven that they're not. But then, of course, Jesus prophesied uh, in Matthew 24, 3 through 7. The Bible says as he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately and said, Hey, tell us, what shall these things be? What's going to be the sign of your coming of the end of this age? Jesus said to them, Take heed that no man deceives you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ. He shall deceive many. And you're going to hear of wars, rumors of wars. Don't be troubled, for all these things have to come to pass. But the end is not yet. Nation's going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. A lot of people have got all these prophecies jumbled up and said, hey, look at the clue, just the clues in Revelation 6, verse 1 through 8. It all kinds of ties in with famines, the things that's going on with Russia, Ukraine, and China. And hey, there you've got what's going on in the world today is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's what the Jerusalem Post article was all about. You can go read it for yourself. But I wanted to kind of just clear up some of those uh, things as we went down through the article. I got more to go through. Maybe we'll finish it up Wednesday. Depends on what happens in the news. But folks, this thing is moving straight forward. And the the Bible prophecy lays it all out in intricate detail. And so, wanted to clear up some of those things today. God bless.